Hi and welcome everyone to CRM Rocks. Today's podcast will be about who is the customer. And with me today I have Jukka Niranen. Jukka is working as a consultant at Digital Illustrated in Helsinki, Finland. He has uh, worked in uh, CRM for more than a decade and he is a two-year-in-a-row MVP. Welcome, Jukka. Thanks for having me, Marcus. Great to be back. Yeah, how, how are you? Doing just fine. How are you today? I'm just fine, thank you. Let's dive right into this. What is a customer? If I'm working with... I have a company and I'm going to implement Dynamic CRM and I'm thinking, yeah, what is a customer? How how can I get help to try to define that? Yeah, that is actually uh, usually whenever I would start in a CRM implementation project with a customer, then that will be one of my first questions there for the very first workshop. So, of course, uh, typically I would have liked during the sales stage maybe reviewed a lot about your the business that you're doing and maybe understand something about the kind of, uh, I mean, organizations that you deal with uh, or whether you're B2B or B2C, of course. But uh, really, uh, almost always, that is the the first question on my uh, workshop at uh, number one agenda because uh, I found that it's uh, surprisingly uh, difficult for people to, uh, uh, well, I mean, first of all, come up with a, a for a specific answer, answer for that, and then to agree with the, all the uh, parties involved in the project or who are defining the same system that, okay, what is our definition of a customer? And uh, especially if you haven't really been uh, currently, uh, you're not using a an official CRM system yet, you might have some let's say, production system or ERPs where you mainly are just like managing the uh, customers so that you can ship orders to them or send invoices, then uh, that's a very different mindset uh, compared to what you should then be thinking about with with a CRM system because uh, uh, that's not only about your existing customers. And uh, I think that uh, the easiest uh, way to sort of like start with the definition there is to Start thinking about the the life cycle perspective. So, uh, not only thinking about the uh, the current uh, portfolio of customers you have, but first of all, starting to think about who could be your customers. So, what is the uh, the potential scope of uh, companies or or people who could be in your CRM system and one day maybe become customers for you? So, uh, that also usually is a very good way to narrow it down already. So, we can then uh, get a definition about uh, who is not a customer. So excluding, first of all, those parties that might be then some, uh, I mean, uh, vendors or partners, or then uh, thinking about, let's say, the potential, whether they you're setting a service to a very specific uh, line of businesses, for example, in a B2B scenario. So usually from there, you can then start to, like, uh, see the world of opportunities around you and uh, maybe get a different definition about or know that where do your customers come from, from which kind of pool of organizations or people. Then, of course, I mean, uh, usually uh, or 
every company who is implementing the same system, they, they already have customers, so it's never a blank slate in a way. So uh, you wouldn't be buying a system if you didn't have any customers to manage. So uh, uh, that's, of course, then the uh, the other aspect to think about there. So looking at the existing uh, data you have right now, but you shouldn't really just go out and look for a a, a CRM system that can uh, you, where you can import your current list of uh, customers from an Excel sheet because that is a, it's a too narrow mindscape for thinking about the long-term use cases for your CRM systems, in my opinion. Have you ever noticed or come across uh, situations where you have had a part of the customer with you, just like one department sales, and they agree to one definition and then you come back the second time and you talk to another department and they don't agree with the first definition that you already have? Yeah, I think it's very normal for people in different uh, uh, roles or in different, working in different processes or departments to have a uh, different uh, viewpoint to the customer data. And that's also usually one of the the big benefits that you get from uh, deploying a CRM system because it's well, it should be a way for you to unify your marketing with your salespeople and and sales with service and so on. So it actually often gives you the first real good excuse for you to sit down and like agree on a common definition of a customer there. So it's good to get at least one or some people from every department to get together to try to nail down the definition or fields of how do you define your customer? Or Yeah, I think especially in the beginning is uh, you need to sort of get the uh, the broader scope first. So thinking about the, uh, the scenarios where you uh, could be using the CRM system for managing customers because if you start with a very let's say, a specific uh, segment of customers or for some single product line then uh, and start by going with that definition and moving to the uh, all the, uh, let's say, sales process uh, stages or definitions, then you might be missing out uh, or, or sort of like uh, painting yourself in a corner by having functionality there that doesn't really fit with the, the other... Uh, use cases that are perfectly valid for the same platform in, in the organization. So you might be actually decreasing the potential value that you can get from your system in the long run. You tried to you said earlier that you tried to think of this as a life cycle perspective and you said you wanted to start with who could be your customer. How do you think about that? Do you think like, okay, who is your customer today and then try to expand that? Or or how do you, or they already know most people? Well, most people know who uh, who cannot be their customers. So usually there's a, uh, if you've been in a business and you established an organization that's big enough for deploying CRM, then you have an understanding of who you actually want to target, who you would be communicating with but uh, the, and then also there's uh, from that we can also uh, draw information about uh, uh, who are the, the past customers because that's also a very important aspect there to think about in the life cycle and something that uh, people tend to kind of uh, be a bit blind towards it because uh, if you don't uh, have a, a definition for the uh, 
or kind of like the starting end point for the customer relationship, then you basically pretty much consider that anyone who's ever purchased service from you is a customer. But that's, of course, not uh, the reality. Uh, I mean, customers come and go. And uh, one of the key reasons for deploying a CRM system, of course, is to uh, increase the uh, loyalty of uh, existing customers and maintaining your most profitable customers. That's the whole foundation of the CRM ideology. So uh, that is also then a um, something that uh, if you don't have a, uh, let's say, a, a CRM system in place that has been adapted for your needs, then you might be totally missing this kind of aspect and having just an ever-growing database of uh, organizations or customer records there, but you don't really know that, okay, which parts of these are, I mean, actually active customers and who should I be now contacting and who will buy my products next and where will my actual uh, revenue and growth potential come from. Okay, so you're thinking about trying to keep your customers active and who is actually not an active customer now. Do you have any example of this? Uh, for example, who could be your customer and who are your customer or who are no longer your customer? Yeah, I think it's uh, there, there's no uh, right answer for defining that uh, when, when does a uh, customer relationship then end uh, in many scenarios. Well, it's a bit different, of course. I mean, if you think about, let's say, a, a cloud service like CRM Online, for example, then you pretty much know that if a customer uh, cancels subscriptions and doesn't pay for the service anymore, then they can be defined as a an ex-customer in that point. But uh, if it's a business where you kind of uh, try to get uh, people to do then repeat purchases or keep upselling the products, so it's not a uh, continuous subscription, then uh, it can be a lot more difficult to to define that. And uh, then, of course, I mean, the uh, your customers are also evolving all the time, so they might get uh, bought by other companies or cease operations and so on. So there's many reasons, why, for example, why they wouldn't be buying anymore. So that's also a, uh, the whole data quality question is an important uh, aspect there to think about. That uh, uh, it's a, when you are implementing a new system, then you have a golden opportunity there to also clean up your data and make a decision about, okay, who are relevant for this new system? I mean, who do I consider uh, targets for my campaigns or who should my salespeople be calling to or where do I need to deliver recruit goods and so on? So uh, drawing some lines uh, at that point is very uh, very efficient way of like getting rid of some of the uh, sort of legacy that you might have accumulated before if you had a system in place where this uh, concept of the the uh, life cycle hasn't been uh, defined or actually implemented in any way that would sort of like uh, guide your actions towards uh, or, or this kind of thinking about the uh, the time dimension of the customer relationship. If you have this customer and you have a customer relationship with them, is that because you have like one product or one subscription or is that an active relationship or do you have to like define that too or is that included in the customer definition altogether 
Well, I would say that uh, the uh, concept of customer versus then the the customer relationship exists between your organization and the customer. They are, they, or they can be two very different things even. So uh, if we consider a scenario, for example, where you are selling not just a single product, but many uh, products that could be concurrently uh, consumed or bought from your company, then there actually are uh, many uh, relationships all at once uh, that can be active and also that can become inactive then without actually losing the whole customer there. So it's very uh, important also to then uh, distinguish these uh, uh, two concepts there and uh, uh, in the uh, the data modeling uh, tasks, then you have to be very uh, particular about uh, the kinds of... uh, attributes that you then want to track in the system. So uh, whether they, for example, are something that uh, there's only uh, one possible value for a customer or whether there can actually be many concurrent values for it. So let's say if you have, for example, you're selling uh, a number of uh, business services in a B2B scenario and there could be, for example, uh, uh, different uh, primary context for each service that you are selling to a customer. So that already means that uh, you need to have a, a one-to-end relationship there in CRM. So you need to have, uh, you cannot just define a primary contact there on the uh, on the customer account level, but instead you have to like manage these things for each of these relationships that the, uh, the organization, the customer organization has with your services. And then you compare that to like, number of employees that seem to be more uh, the same on every level yes i mean usually there there's uh, if you look at a typical uh, customer record in crm then uh, uh, oftentimes it's a, a mixture of uh, many different uh, types of parameters so some of that is of course the i mean the identity of the customers so uh, in a b2c world it would be the the person's name or then in a B2B would be the name of the company and their business ideas and so on. But then these tend to be also then uh, combined in the data model and UI with uh, some profile variables and uh, address details and these kind of things. And uh, then alongside that, you still, of course, have the the very specific uh, customer relationships attributes. So what is the type of the relationships and uh, what is the, let's say, the life cycle phase of the relationship, what is the the status, who is the uh, uh, key uh, contact in a particular service, or even what could be the, uh, let's say, category of service consumption. Uh, so all, all these things then, uh, ten, of course, uh, if you are going into CRM and you want to see information about a customer, then uh, it's very good nowadays, especially with the latest version that you can get a great overview on the single screen there because you can combine so many, so much data from different uh, sources in, in the data model onto the one screen there. But uh, effectively, it's uh, you should be rather thinking about what is the uh, right level in that uh, hierarchy. I mean, where do you store each information so that it makes sense so that you don't uh, kind of like uh, rule out any scenarios that you later maybe need to then uh, accommodate in the data model. So, for example, when you 
maybe launch a new product line and then you need to start maintaining uh, two concurrent informations about the, uh, let's say, some uh, subscription related variables, then does your CRM uh, data model adapt to that or do you then need to make some changes to, into your customer definition at that point? Doesn't that bring us back to the original question? That if you have a hierarchy of accounts, that you have a, an account and that have a parent account and that might have a parent account to it, then who is the customer? Is it the one that buys the business or it's, is it the top or bottom or in the middle? Yes, that is usually the the second most difficult question to define there when you're deploying a CRM. So if you first get the, uh, let's say, the conceptual definition that's okay, what is the criteria that we uh, classify someone, uh, something in an organization or someone as a person as a, a potential or current customer, then, uh, okay, of course, it's more B2B scenario related, the question about the hierarchy, but uh, uh, then the next uh, uh, thing to define there is that uh, if you are uh, setting services to, to a uh, a business organization and uh, they can be owned by a different uh, parent company or they can they have subsidiaries and or I mean uh, divisions or even local offices then uh, what do you really then use the the account entity in CRM so so what does that really represent to you because uh, the hierarchy feature is something that uh, also uh, sometimes uh, people neglect that because of the fact that they don't have really an up-to-date uh, model or structure of their current customer data if they've been just using some, let's say, more simple uh, system for managing uh, invoices or uh, product shipments that doesn't really, that has a flat structure for the customer accounts. But uh, in CRM, that's a very, a very crucial feature to have because, uh, for example, there are many built-in features in the system that uh, allow you to then roll up the information from these lower levels of the hierarchy into the top levels. So, for example, you will then see that if there's a uh, hierarchy of accounts and then someone makes a phone call on the very uh, lowest level of the hierarchy, then you can still still see that rolling up into the top level there so you can get a kind of like a real 360-degree view of the customer relationship there by not saying just that, okay, who called this uh, particular account, but uh, who was in contact with any of the different levels of that hierarchy. So do you try to define these levels like legal entities, or do you try to define them as customer organizations, or how do you, is it just subsidiaries that count as new sub-accounts? How do you think about that? As always with CRM, there's usually not one right way to do it, but uh, based on my uh, experience there, I think that uh, for for many uh, customers, there's a, many, I mean, organizations who use CRM, there's a valid reason for them to uh, stick to these kind of uh, legal entity definitions there and use uh, that for modeling the structure. But uh, again, in a... Uh, in a perfect world, I would say that uh, using the accounts only for the 
the single customer would be actually more convenient for for many of those uh, organizations because uh, that would allow them to then uh, separate the uh, the kind of uh, information of of the customer from the information of the organization structure or the uh, let's say the profiles of these uh, organizations or the address information because. Uh, the sort of default uh, data model and fields that are in CRM, they kind of drive you towards the uh, the way of like uh, modeling the each office as a separate account. But then at the end of the day, that uh, can really clutter up the uh, the views or or the user experience for CRM because then there will be so many levels in the hierarchy that that will keep on growing, growing, and eventually you will then lose some of the information there into that hierarchy. Uh, and because uh, even though I mentioned the the kind of uh, information roll-up features there as a feature of the hierarchy, then that still doesn't apply to any, any customer entities, for example. So if you uh, have, let's say, an entity like subscription there for CRM that you just created only for your system, then uh, you cannot have a, a similar kind of a uh, roll-up to the from the lower level of the hierarchy to the top level that you could have, for example, for opportunities or cases. So it's very important to be aware of these kind of limitations that uh, you can then uh, encounter if you start to be, uh, if you build a too fancy hierarchy for, for the account structure. So my kind of a recommendation would be that if you can uh, make it so that uh, you don't have to have every uh, branch office as a separate account, then you're probably better off by reducing the number of accounts there. For example, it's going to be a lot easier for you to then also define the the ownership of the account. So who's the responsible account manager, for example, if you need to define that for each and every branch office level, then it can become a tedious uh, task to maintain the information there. And it can also then make it uh, more difficult for these people to actually find the 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 big picture about how is how are we doing with this customer so is your recommendation then that they try to make the qualify from lead to account a really strict process so that they don't create new accounts sort of accidentally or they really choose an existing account if that is an existing account or how do you recommend working leads to account yeah, leads are a uh, also uh, some uh, is a very a common uh, feature in CRM, but it's still uh, surprisingly uh, difficult to, to define in a way that uh, everybody sort of understands the the purpose of of, of leads because they tend to be quite often uh, if you don't uh, use CRM yet, then uh, uh, people in the sales organization or marketing might view them as uh, or or the lead concept could be just a one phase of the sale process there. But uh, from the dynamics and platform perspective, that's uh, absolutely not what it's about. So it's not a, a phase in the process, but it's a, uh, a stage in the uh, in the life cycle of the data. So uh, the the typical uh, analogy that I give for for leads is that leads are business cards. So uh, that's information that's very easy to exchange so you can uh, collect them from any sources and uh, you don't have to worry too much about wh- uh, when you're entering them into the system there so it's easy to 
to get them in to import them from Excel or even get them from uh, some integrated uh, web forms or marketing automation systems. And uh, it's a uh, the, it's the usually uh, the first container for information that comes in, into the the world of CRM. So that's the entry point for data uh, in many scenarios. If you don't yet have uh, the uh, let's say the the account or sorry the organization the customization model there in your CRM then that's the place where you start of course and uh, even if you do then uh, uh, it doesn't matter nowadays if you create a, a duplicate lead there because uh, with the uh, the CRM 2013 uh, UI and new kind of uh, process flows then actually it's it's totally allowed for you to also create new leads for existing accounts and contacts because there's a, a a guided feature there that will then uh, let you uh, it will give you an indication if the the lead, for example, matches some existing uh, record there based on duplicate detection rules. Uh, but uh, what the lead allows you to do then is, of course, to like uh, also record the not just the information about okay which organization are we talking with now and which person there and what is what are their addresses and phone numbers and so on, but also then the the business. Uh, purpose for why you are entering the information there into your system because uh, uh, leads are uh, or I usually encourage people to be very uh, let's say uh, open about the requirements for data for leads so that uh, as many of these uh, external records or Excel list could be imported into CRM so you can actually then start managing them properly with, with the system but uh, then for the the next step of uh, qualifying that lead further, then that should be a very controlled process where you pay attention to uh, what the users are required to do there because uh, because the leads are usually something that is not meant to be, leads are not a the, the permanent uh, storage for any customer data. So it's a temporary storage, there's the point of entry into CRM, but then you need to make a decision there that is this something that I want to permanently keep in, in my CRM system. So if I convert the lead into a new account and contact, then basically you assume the responsibility there to then maintain that uh, rec those records as long as uh, you see them as uh, potential customers who, who need to be in your CRM system for one reason or another. So then you need to maintain their uh, address details uh, or job titles and so on. For instance, with, uh, if you then disqualify the lead and you see that, okay, this actually not something that we're not going to move forward right now, then there's no pressure for you to uh, keep ma managing all that data. So uh, it's the, the entry gate into CRM and into that, the world of customers. So a very crucial uh, uh, feature uh, to understand and to think about the role of that, uh, that entity in your CRM system. So I take it that you recommend them using leads and have leads a little bit lesser quality of data. I'm 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 making air quotes here, air quotes on a audio only show. So <laughs> lesser quality, and that they take the work when they qualify the lead, so that they don't actually add leads as a count and just have a different. Uh, type for for that 
Well, yes, I mean, if you ha- uh, know for sure that it's uh, you get a business card from a, a an existing customer, then of course you shouldn't really go and create that as a, as a lead unless there are some data entry processes that you define that, for example, some person in your organization then needs to be be uh, responsible for uh, entering some information there. So it might be the, the CM key users or, or someone. So you might use that as a uh, kind of a, a gateway for uh, maintaining data quality, but uh, usually I recommend that people, that all users are allowed to also then directly create new contacts and potentially even new new accounts there if they are not yet the uh, the existing customer account, but maybe new potential accounts. Then keeping down also the, the information requirements there so that uh, if there is a need to, for example, then uh, start modeling the the actual organization structure for the potential customer account, then it's a lot easier to do that uh, with the contacts because then you can link them to the right accounts there right from the start and uh, not having to like uh, manage a separate uh, stack of business cards in Excel or then import that into CRM. So uh, it's a balance to keep there, but uh, I'd, uh, as long as you have a uh, like clear roles or reasons for why you are using which entity, then they both can be very uh, useful for uh, the uh, the modeling of the data and managing the uh, information into CRM for new records. So I usually recommend them that that they keep like email required because that's easy to do to run duplicate on and try to check the domain name on the end to see if there's an account with the same. Mm-hmm at dot com do you do you recommend that too or how do you go with it well it's hard to usually uh, get a very uh, very intelligent duplicate detection in place if you don't have any uh, let's say of course some external service that could be doing something more complex matching of the records there but uh, uh, usually because the problem there is that uh, finding the right balance for those rules. So you don't want to bother the users with uh, these unintentional alerts about potential duplicates because uh, with the standard features, it's not even easy to like sort of bypass that and mark it so that it's, I don't, this is not a duplicate, so don't remind me about that ever again. So uh, it can be uh, then make it, the, it can reduce the uh, the pleasure of using CRM quite considerably if you are too, tight with those kind of rules there. So, uh, of course, I mean, uh, email matching is a good example. That's usually a very good way to uh, have a unique identifier for uh, for contact records. But uh, I still say that it's uh, you should teach the users to also then perform queries into the CRM contents there. So before you enter any data, then of course you should go and see if it or exists there as an account or contact, for example. And uh, that's also one one area where the uh, the new features of the upcoming 2015 version of CRM are going to be good uh, because you can then perform global searches across records, so you don't have to go to to each different view anymore and see that if, for example, if there's a person called Yuka there, then you can find it from a contact or lead. So that's going to also reduce the the barrier for searching for those records and ensuring that you no know, duplicates are created in the first place. 
that global search is nice. But if I now have this lead and I convert it to an account, now CRM has created this account, but perhaps earlier I had an ERP system or any other system that created all that. How do I get that into the whole CRM lifecycle perspective? Usually there's, um, or in many scenarios, uh, you need to uh, enforce that uh, some of the ERP information, for example, the might be so that the customer numbers are only assigned to uh, the uh, customer accounts when they make the first purchase and when they are then created into the ERP system. So uh, a typical integration scenario would be that if you then if you have an account in CRM that doesn't yet have this kind of a number from ERP, then you could know that, okay, this is actually still a potential account and you might then have some different uh, set of data requirements for that kind of uh, potential customer accounts. And uh, then once they make a purchase and there's a process then for transferring them into the ERP and establishing them as an official uh, customer account and maybe checking their credit limits and all these kind of uh, details that need to be uh, checked in that part, then maybe you need to lock down the information there in CRM as well. But uh, with the the, uh, latest CRM versions, you have very convenient business rules that you can define there. So, for example, if if a customer account doesn't have an account number, that you could open up fields that uh, can be edited directly in CRM. But then if, if they are already in ERP customer, then you can maybe lock them down with business rules and enforce it so that they have to either go through some uh, change requests or that the information needs to be changed directly in ERP instead. But uh, one thing there to then also think about in terms of the data modeling is that usually you cannot really uh, make... or replicate the exact same uh, customer structures that you have in CRM with the ERP system because they are not really meant for that kind of very uh, complex relationships. They are rather more about managing the transactions and uh, uh, payments and so on. So uh, you need to then maybe make some compromises with uh, how do you then map the different uh, customer account data from your ERP to the matching CRM environment and how do you, how to then also maintain the flexibility of the CRM system without then breaking the connection between those two systems? So ensuring that you can uh, enrich the data for the, the customers on the CRM side, but then that you also don't lose the connection between the records in the production systems and invoicing and other uh, important uh, uh, information systems in your business. Okay, so if I have this integration and I get this feedback and forth, do I use this to then decide who is a good customer and who is a bad customer by just saying, oh, the one that purchased for X amount or more is a good customer? Yeah, that's a a, a good question and an interesting topic then to get to when you have the the serum system in place and you have it in a ongoing integration with your uh, uh, ERP or other systems we get this kind of uh, uh, product uh, purchase or service consumption data. So that's when you really uh, can then start to perform some segmentation on the uh, the customer accounts and uh, 
not, not treating everybody as equal there, but rather than maybe starting to think about could you maybe uh, use the, the CRM process automation for somehow to guiding your uh, users towards making the uh, making the right proposals or performing the right actions to the right customers. So optimizing the uh, how they use their time and attention for the the existing customer base and uh, if defining what a customer is is often a difficult question then segmentation rules are even more difficult from what i've seen yeah. and uh, that's uh, one of the reasons is that uh, uh, well again i mean similar to defining the customer it might be something that you haven't really done before you had a a, uh, a fully working CRM system in place. So might have had this maybe some PowerPoint sketches about, okay, these are our customer groups and we sort of know who they are and this is what we should be targeting to them and with some kind of actions we do and we invite them to these events. But uh, it's all a bit uh, hypothetical if you don't really have the, that uh, system of record about who actually belongs to which segment. So uh, it's uh, usually, again, one of these... Uh, first-time exercises that you have to do when you are then implementing or developing your CRM system. And uh, another aspect there is that uh, even though people may think that, okay, it's uh, a a CRM system should be then able to do the segmentation for me, then there really isn't much uh, there in in the platform that would automate this kind of uh, segmentation uh, process for you. So uh, CRM doesn't really have any kind of like a scheduled evaluation of customers based on how much their recent purchase have been. So that's something you can definitely implement there and something that we often develop with a combination of tools there, but there's no magic, I mean, calculator system in CRM that will then predict something that, okay, these are going to be good customers for you or or a system that would then maintain these values automatically based on how they uh, how the customers react and what purchases they make and so on. So uh, that's uh, that makes it even more complex because uh, it's not something that you may have done before and it's also something that's not uh, readily available in CRM. So there's no segmentation module there that you can just go to and define your segmentation rules. So it takes a lot more uh, understanding of the... Uh, of, of course, first of all, the data that you have in CRM, what you can get into there about the purchases from some other systems, and then also thinking about the tools that, okay, how can I leverage, for example, the visualizations or advanced find, and uh, how could I query my uh, segments, and uh, how could I analyze the data in there to determine that, okay, who should be, belong to which segment, or what would make uh, sense to define as a uh, category for these segments. I have an even more basic question. How do I define my segments? Should I have one, two, three, five, ten, twenty? Um, do you have any technique or, or tip to to define your segments? Is more merrier or how do you think? Well, I'd say that uh, you start small and I mean use those kind of segments where you can then actually define some way how you differentiate your offering to those customers or uh, if it's just a 
category of ABC customers, but then you don't really use the information for anything other than just some fancy dashboards, then don't bother doing it. So there has to be some action that then comes as a result of your, your definition of that segment. But uh, I would say that uh, you could leverage the uh, the same uh, life cycle concept there that we uh, touched upon in the definition of the customers. So uh, that would be a very practical uh, way also to think about your segments. So, so thinking about uh, the uh, the customer journey of a, a new customer. So, with what kind of stages do they go through there when they uh, first learn about your services and then, then maybe make the initial purchase and then hopefully keep on purchasing and uh, buying more services and you perform upsell activities to them. So, uh, trying to identify that uh, what's the uh, right uh, service for this customer based on uh, in what stage of the life, life cycle they are right now. So that would be something that you, you can just determine based on the, for example, the date of when they when their status changed to an existing customer. And then from there on, thinking about what was the uh, date of their last purchase and so on. So basically data that you can really easily query in CRM with advanced find and then maybe build manually some, uh, let's say, marketing list of these uh, customers and then have analyze them a bit about uh, see if you can uh, spot some, uh, let's say, group of customers that have uh, acted differently in the same life cycle and then analyzing, okay, what do you actually do to this customer to actually make them progress further or buy more in this stage of the life cycle. So if you have this kind of like uh, long uh, customer relationships where the uh, you kind of uh, you can broaden the scope of the relationship over time, then that's a good uh, aspect to use there for segmentation. So, would you recommend using current purchases or potential purchases, or do you see that over time then consider the life cycle, or is it just what they buy, or how often they buy, or how long we can keep them? There's a lot of dimensions here from a bit more advanced uh, uh, kind of CRM uh, theory in a way, then the calculation of the lifetime value of a customer is a concept that was very popular in the 90s. And of course, people still try to do that, but uh, it can be very difficult, of course, to come up with all the details that affect the the lifetime value of the customer. So knowing all the all the revenue streams that they they could purchase and then even more difficult to determine the, the cost that incurs from having them as a customer. So all the kind of service uh, that they require or how many times the sales guy needs to visit them. So that's not maybe something that you want to do in detail, but rather think about it as a, in relative perspective. So uh, who is in a uh, higher lifetime value category than some other customers? And uh, here I think it's very important to also to define a way that's how you can uh, uh, record your uh, estimates uh, or best guesses about their uh, potential purchases. So not just looking at what they've bought so far, but really, I mean, maximizing the the potential of your uh, existing customers that you have managed to acquire. Because uh, as we know, I mean, the the current customers are the uh, 
the most profitable ones if you can manage to sell them more services. So th- there's always less marketing you need to do there and you really want to keep and grow your profitable customers. But then at the same time, you should have some, uh, think about some uh, warning signs. So if, uh, for example, you do some uh, project work for customers uh, and then you, you run over budgets and you cannot maybe get the customer to to pay for all the hours you spent there, then maybe that's a good sign that their actual lifetime value is decreasing. And uh, even though they've initially ordered a lot from you, then they actually might be losing money for you in the end if the, the, if the balance isn't uh, right for you both there in that relationship. So you're thinking that it should be easy to segment too. So don't come up with a super scientific way of doing it and then you have to do that by hand so if you're going to do it super advanced make sure that you can somehow make it easier by automating it or just take a guess i would say that it's uh, always best to first start with something that is not uh, fully automated because if you have a a theory of the uh, segmentation model uh, that you've come up with, then uh, the only way you can uh, verify it is that you, you learn by testing it out. And uh, as mentioned, because there's no uh, uh, segmentation uh, machine as such in, in CRM in the platform itself, then you pretty much have to then develop the kind of logic and those uh, scheduled updates for this, these values there. And it's going to be then very expensive for you to change those. And uh, one further problem there is that I've noticed is that uh, if you then uh, have a very complex criteria for determining this, uh, for example, the value of a customer in their lifetime, then uh, if you cannot uh, explain that to the end user to the salespeople, for example, then they might not believe that the value actually is true. I mean, they might not adopt it because if they don't understand it, why does CRM consider that this is a, a C category account when I see it as a real a, a account that should be buying more in the current year? So what they might then challenge your uh, segmentation criteria and they might be, I mean, doing it rightfully so. I mean, there might not actually be you might be segmenting on the, the completely wrong criteria there. You might be missing the obvious data that would be available in your CRM and which you could then find out if you were doing some more uh, ad hoc analysis of the data instead of just relying on some uh, criteria that you defined a couple of years ago and then left running there because someone developed a system for you that calculates the value every every night, for example. So I think that's definitely a... a balance there to also start small and then keep learning and then as you find some uh, methods of segmentation that work for you then uh, of course then start automating it reducing the uh, uh, the sort of uh, need for manual labor and human error there but uh, don't automate a non-working system because you will not get any benefit from that you'll just have a fancy CRM that does the wrong thing for you yeah so it's like when you try to build something in in computer science, uh, you do this agile approach. Mm. You try it out, see if it works. If it's good, then you try to develop it further. So exactly. try small, try it out, and if it works, make it more simple. Exactly. So you should have the 
the minimum viable segmentation model in place and the first model should be something that you do manually if possible. So of course, I mean, if you have some uh, other uh, data warehouses or BI system in place where you can get this kind of calculation already, then by all means do integrate them with CRM. But if you are starting your journey with the customer data and using using the CRM platform itself for analyzing the data, then don't start with uh, two ambitious plans there before you can see that, okay, do I actually even get uh, data for these variables that are defined there in my uh, customer account form, for example? Because if your data is not up to date, then your segmentation model will be skewed as well. Nice. So we have trying to define the customer here, but CRM, dynamic CRM, really says that, well, we are a platform too. Not that long ago, it was XRM. So how do you think about this? Is is account context just for organization count persons or are they for like uh, people who deliver for me, suppliers, or do you try to keep them off there? How do you think about that? Sometimes the... Uh organizations who are deploying CRM want to like limit the scope themselves and say that, okay, this is now CRM and the C stands for customers. So it's going to be only about the customer data. So that's what they start by defining that this, this is what we need here. But uh, I don't think that's a very uh, uh, good uh, approach to take for many reasons. And uh, not just the fact that uh, you can do so much more with CRM if you take this kind of an XRM approach and use it for managing also other relationships, but uh, also starting from the fact that uh, it's uh, you're missing out on a lot of important information about your customer interactions if you categorically say that you, you only record uh, customer accounts and contacts in your system. And... Uh, one of the uh, things that I dislike about the translations in the uh, terminology of CRN, so for example, in the Finnish language, the, uh, the account entity is translated as customer in Finnish. So the word is, word is asiakas and it means the customer. So people always then assume that, okay, this is the place where I only put my customer accounts, but where should I then put my suppliers and all the other uh, organizations that I work with? And uh, so from that perspective, I can re- recommend that you consider the the account to be organization and the context to be persons because that's really what they are and, th- and that's what the kind of features that the platform uh, has to offer for you. So uh, it's a lot better for you to not try and split out your uh, different parties than to separate entities because uh, at the end of the day the, uh, the world really isn't so black and white. Usually it's a it's a network of uh, uh, people who work with one another and uh, they can have uh, various different connections with uh, many organizations there. So uh, it doesn't uh, always uh, fall under that kind of uh, strict category about uh, uh, are you a customer or not. And again, referencing the, the concept of the life cycle. So just because someone isn't a customer now, it may not mean that they couldn't be a customer in the future or that they wouldn't be influencing a, a deal that you're making. So uh, that's a, a very important dimension to understand, especially if you are 
setting to larger organizations or where there's not just a single person who is uh, making the decision on whether you buy a service or not, because then you really need to be able to map out all the different parties that are involved there in the uh, the sales process or service process. And uh, the ability to track information regarding them it can be very useful because uh, very often if you don't have a yet a very good working CRM system in place, then you are very unlikely to have other systems for managing your supplies, for example, in a very uh, in a manner that CRM would allow you to do. Do you try to capture all that data in like connections that you have influencer is this one, buyer is this one, and you try to think of getting all that sort of non-structural data into CRM too so that you can look at it? Well, connections are a very good feature in the sense that they can be uh, applied to any entity. So you can basically connect any record with any other record without uh, even considering the uh, what's the, the entity that you're using. So they are very flexible, but they are also a bit limited. And uh, especially now with the new version of CRM, there's... Uh, some features in the the user interface that haven't been updated to the to the latest uh, kind of user experience. So you're, for example, missing some buttons there for adding new uh, connections from the subgrids on account forms and small things like this that make it maybe quite often too complex for, uh, let's say, casual CRM users to really leverage there in the way that would be beneficial for them. So the fact that you, because... Uh, they can be linked to between any records and they can have multiple different uh, connection role attributes there. So it makes it uh, maybe too complex or maybe kind of a blank slate for the end users. So it, it doesn't really guide them towards entering the kinds of uh, relationships there that would be uh, usually required. So especially if you have, let's say, uh, some uh, more complex uh, uh, channel structure. So, for example, you are selling via distributors uh, or resellers, then uh, uh, if you always need to have a particular type of record uh, re- related to another record, then actually you're using some uh, uh, custom entity there for modeling that relationship might be a better option than just connections because, uh, as you mentioned, it's uh, kind of an unstructured data, the connections, even though you can I mean, record the relationships there, but uh, uh, you cannot then be uh, so specific about the contents of data. And it's very hard then to enforce that all this information has been entered there into the system. So if you have specific, for example, have a, a retailer entity there that connects then uh, account to some opportunity, then that's a better way to guide the users towards uh, entering the kind of uh, relationships there that matter the most and the ones that should be always used. Okay, so you try to define what's really needed and then you create actual relationships for those instead. Yeah, I would say that uh, connections are great for the 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 stuff that you didn't define in the Syrian project. So the needs that then arise later on where some user groups may identify that, okay, actually, we'd like to also record this kind of information in CRM or manage these kind of groups there. So then it's great for them to have the option there. But for something that uh, 
a, a structured process that everybody should be following, then connections maybe are not the, the optimal uh, tool for building those relationships. So you would say that connections is more for like unstructured data or relationships that are not thought of. For I, example, like influencer. Oh, well, we have this guy over here too. Exactly, because uh, even though, of course, some user groups do apply them, but uh, based on my experience, uh, most people are not uh, so fond of CRM that they keep on adding all the connections there that they uh, okay. recognize in real life. So uh, it's a uh, it's always good to be guiding the users towards uh, tracking the essential information there, and then through that way, kind of showing them the the uh, value of having those. Uh, relationships stored in the data in a structural manner, then maybe they also more easier realize that they can use additional features for telling more about the uh, the opportunities or projects and uh, then maybe also presenting future enhancement requests for your CRM so you could then expand the data model and create some formal ways for modeling these different uh, interest groups that uh, are then recurring in in your processes. So, so far, we have mostly talked about uh, business to business, but there's business to consumers too. Is there really a, a big difference about that? Well, I would say that, uh, especially in the the modern world where the uh, the social channels that are being used are so pervasive in our day to day lives. So, I mean, we many of us or the ones who are listening to this podcast, you might have found this from Twitter or Facebook or some other place. And uh, there's so many of these different uh, uh, information sources available to the the consumers and, of course, to the individuals who are the decision makers in in the B2B organizations. That uh, it's uh, it really is uh, twisting the whole uh, kind of uh, role of the uh, the applications and systems kind of upside down because uh, the, the funny thing is that uh, in a way the uh, the individuals uh, uh, the consumers or then these uh, decision makers that are working for organizations they often have uh, better CRM systems in place than the actual organizations do so they have access to so much information that actually delivers a kind of a, a features that we then try to model into these uh, corporate systems by tools like Dynamics CRM. But for them, they have access to those very fluent tools and information sources without any cost. So, uh, for example, if they want to uh, manage their own connections, then they use Facebook for friends and LinkedIn for professional contacts. So that's already what we've been discussing about from the CRM perspective. I mean, that's purely a CRM kind of a feature there. And uh, if you think about then like marketing perspective, then they can have access to free blogging platforms so they can publish content there and like even run sort of kind of campaigns about what they think about so getting their word out in a much more effortless way than many organizations can do. And uh, they have access to this even kind of like... Uh, uh, social sentiment from Twitter so they can see the, what's the trending topic or what product is getting recommendations from uh, their peers or uh, other network members. So uh, that's again is something that uh, many of the uh, organizations who are deploying these CRM systems, they are still struggling with how to like uh, 
what, what is the role of these kind of uh, uh, channels and what tools they need, need for that. But uh, for the actual consumer, I mean, it's already there and it's free and it's working and it's beautiful. So it's kind of the the whole consumerization of IT trend has really flipped it around a bit. So it's uh, now the uh, kind of uh, the consumers have the the upper hand there, and then the organizations are only trying to catch up with them. So uh, the consumers have now so much power because they can they can even like uh, use auction sites or price comparison sites for like uh, negotiating better deals. So they kind of act like the, the super customer now. They they have the uh, the upper hand, and now the it's a question for the organization now to th- come up with ways about how to then how to uh, answer these new demands and how to uh, kind of uh, play in this new new level playing field where the uh, where the consumers also have a great IT system in place for managing information. Yeah, my perspective on this is that it's always a human signing the contract. Even if it's business to business, it's one human signing, okay, this is okay. If it's business to consumer, it's a human signing the contract. Is is that in that perspective sort of like, okay, we should perhaps try to evolve business to business to more like business to consumer thinking? Or is that asking too much? Or if one organization is going into CRM, how, how do you recommend them on this journey? Well, I would say that whether you are, I mean, operating in the the consumer or B2B space, then uh, uh, you need to be as aware of the the uh, paradigm shift that has taken place with the social CRM or, I mean, nowadays it's just by default any CRM has to have this, uh, some connection with the, the uh, social channels because uh, otherwise it's becoming irrelevant even for the B2B scenarios. So, for example, if you think about marketing, then that's really now there's not much outbound there anymore. It's all about inbound marketing. So uh, attracting people into the uh, reading your materials by having the kind of content that answers questions that they have in their minds. And by, by that means, and getting them to maybe uh, initiate the contact with you once they are investigating what kind of uh, service offering you have and whether that meets your meets their uh, requirements. So then, uh, kind of treating them as uh, or or acknowledging the fact that uh, all the users who are on the buyer side they have all the these tools in use, whether they are the consumer or whether they are representing a business. So they will, of course, check your LinkedIn profiles and see whether you are a valid, uh, a credible uh, service provider and what's your reputation out there. Do you have some, do you have opinions or do you, uh, that you post on your blogs or do you give out helpful tips, uh, content for existing customers? So uh, all of this is really, uh, it's affecting uh, both the B2B and B2C world alike. So I don't really, there's of course, uh, it's more of a reality for the uh, the uh, B2C scenarios because there it's uh, already kind of given. Whereas of course with uh, B2B organizations, depending on what industry you are in, okay, it might be so that not everybody there on the customer side is on LinkedIn. It might be some, uh, let's say, geographic areas or 
just uh, more traditional industries. So it's not such a big uh, issue yet, but uh, certainly in in many uh, B2B scenarios. For example, like in selling CRM consulting services, I mean, our customers are, I would say that they are acting like these individual consumers and they are using all the social tools and reading the blogs and checking the content there and networking with potential service providers uh, and uh, uh, getting all the information from their peers before they ever contact us. So uh, it's uh, the reality for us already now. And uh, uh, the fact is that uh, many of the the tools in place now for things like uh, monitoring the social feeds and these kind of things, they don't maybe uh, uh, fit yet the... Uh, the uh, lower data volume B2B scenarios so well, but uh, there really isn't any reason why they wouldn't evolve into being such tools. So, uh, in a similar way, how maybe maybe the whole CRM systems back in the 90s when the these sort of uh, big monolith systems were developed, then they were really aimed for the enterprise market, and usually you had to have large volume of uh, customers and uh, uh, services to to make it actually worthwhile for for implementing a CRM system, but nowadays, I mean, if you are a company of of uh, five users, then you can run CRM online and uh, I mean benefit from all the uh, sales process management and uh, marketing tools that uh, are available also for the big enterprises. So I'm, I think that it's going to be a similar journey there as well with the the new social tools there. So. Uh, the technology is going to become su- such an everyday tool that uh, there's no reason why you wouldn't be using it if it comes bundled in with the CRM platform that you are using. So do you recommend them using an an external tool uh, like uh, an add-on or an ISV or do you recommend them uh, uh, to do something else? Well, nowadays there's... Uh, the whole uh, uh, product stack of Microsoft Dynamics has really changed quite a lot because uh, there's been uh, many purchases of services that are directly related to CRM. So, of course, starting from the uh, the, the bigger product that is marketing that used to be marketing pilots. So that's of course a been a very big entry into the marketing automation space from Microsoft, and uh, it's. Uh, gradually evolving into a very uh, competitive package there. And uh, I think that simply because of the fact that it's uh, by the same provider, then many people are going to be more, uh, think, consider it as more trustworthy option. But uh, I'd say that, I mean, it's uh, there's a good uh, ecosystem of vendors out there. So uh, you shouldn't really uh, limit yourself into doing just what you can buy from Microsoft uh, uh, because uh, many of these uh, tools really have been they've been uh, developed in the uh, in the ISV ecosystem for earlier on, and now you can then get they have reached a point where they are now becoming an integrated part of the platform. But uh, they are still uh, I mean you have to pay licenses for all those services, and uh, they might not fit all the uh, different sizes of businesses that well. So for example, there might be some features included in the products by Microsoft that you don't really have a use case in your small five-year organization. So uh, I think there's uh, it's great that there's now a wider offering of those services because it makes it kind of uh, 
also a a default assumption that there is some kind of service like that in use if you're using CRM. So it's not no longer just for those people who are actively searching for add-ons, but rather it's now kind of shown as uh, something that really is part of CRM because it should be if you if you don't have any kind of uh, connection from the CRM system to the outside world, so you don't uh, you're not able to send uh, email campaigns or you don't get any. Uh, social feeds into your CRM about you cannot monitor keywords or or you cannot then for example provide any service forums for your customers then if you really just rely on the fact that your salespeople should be just entering data into CRM and uh, they don't get any information from other places into that uh, database then it's going to become pretty obsolete for also those users eventually I mean because uh, like I said, I mean, we are all also consumers, so we have access to LinkedIn and we have access to all those public uh, social feeds. So if I was a sales guy and I'd had a static CRM system database where only I maintain some opportunity data there compared to them, some some networks that actually are, have information that is collected by from other users and uh, processed by some other services that make it, uh, make it easier to kind of find relevant information from the CF data out there, then I'd, I'd certainly not go, I wouldn't go to CRM, I'd go to those, the better services. So it's really critical that you can also then, that you see a kind of a a path of, for your existing CRM system, how to make it so that in the future it will have these, all these parts there in, included by default. So it will not be a separate island of data maintained by the your internal organization, but rather it's something that we're also the the customer interactions are are visible. Really good. So we're running a little bit out of time here. Have we missed anything important? Do you feel? Well, I think that if we were running a a first workshop for defining a CRM system and asking the question of uh, who is your customer and getting to the uh, kind of uh, going through the list of important questions there, then I think we pretty much covered it and I would be quite satisfied if we had answers for these kind of uh, questions. So I could then already go on and uh, propose an initial solution design for you, how to start start uh, building the, uh, the CRM application data model and what kind of features should be included there. So I think we'd be pretty much well on our way for building a, a system that's not only compatible with your current business, but also then kind of future proof that you also acknowledge the fact that how you need to then uh, broaden the scope of CRM and make it uh, such something that is then also connected with the interactions and the customer engagement that's going on there in the other channels. Oh, great, Yuka. Thank you for your participation in CRM Rocks. Thanks for having me. (laughs) And thank you who are listening. And don't forget that you can comment on crmrocks.com. See you next time on Serum Rocks.